Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Movie, Movie, Film, Film. It's the podcast where we pick a flick and decide if it's a movie or a film. I'm Nate, and you want forgiveness? Try religion. And I'm Terrell, and I'm in a glass case of emotions. I know that one. That's Anchorman. Yeah, I've seen that movie countless times. Yeah, God, so quotable. I knew another quote. (laughs) You know Um, mine? No. It's from Spider-Man 3. Oh. It ties in with the theme. <laughs> you know, it's about forgiveness. Yeah. And and we're going to be talking about can you ever forgive me. Stuff, yeah. Um, but first, yeah. movie, news. movie, news, news. Yeah. Take it back to last week's episode with video game movies because yeah. Sonic has a trailer now. Yes, it does. It has showed itself to us. <laughs> it is a uh, thing. <laughs> it is a, it's a, a You thing. can say that. It's a yeah. thing for sure. Um, it's not Sonic. I don't know what it is, but it's a creature. It's a blue creature that with, runs fast. With human teeth. With human-sized uh, uh, human eyes. Yeah, it's... Oh, man. I'm just... I I don't know I didn't have any expectations but man have they dropped the ball. <laughs> the I still like the casting choices. It's um Jean Ralphio from Parks and Rec. Uh-huh. I'm blanking on his name right now. James Madison, right? Um Cyclops. That's who you thinking of? Oh, uh yeah. yeah. James Marsden. James Marsden. Yeah. Mar- Marsden, yeah. Um, Tika Sumter's in it. Jim Carrey's Jim in Carrey. it. Yeah, Jim Carrey. Which, he looks like he's having fun. Yeah. Seems like he's got some 90s Jim Carrey energy back. I'm not going to see the movie, though. I, so yeah, I'm, I don't <laughs> think I'm going to see the movie either. <laughs> Nothing about this trailer looks good. Yeah, one of the things I said uh, last week about Mortal Kombat that I liked was that it, like really did capture what it is playing the game the fighting the worlds the characters mm-hmm. um th- this has a blue creature that runs yeah um that that, that to seems to be it Sonic. yeah it doesn't look like the video game it doesn't have the energy or the feel of playing the video game which is mostly just about going fast and collecting rings yeah. but uh and i don't know if you're going to do a movie base it i mean mr eggman yeah, so I just feel like base it in the world of the video game instead yeah. of trying to bring the video game to our world because that's what they're doing. It's like another yeah. Roger Rabbit thing. I, or chipmunks man. or Smurfs—they just, just keep doing this. His look is very important, and once you mess up there, you kind of just don't have a Sonic movie. Yeah, who's the movie for? Because yeah, who it is seems it like for? they dumbed everything down so it's for yeah, kids. But do kids know Sonic they, they or care? Really, like, dumbed it down yeah uh, unfortunate really unfortunate you know so, yeah the sonic I games like are in the fun. cast and i'm just like oh man this movie is not gonna fare well for you guys nope no not at all yeah the internet really tore the trailer to shreds i didn't really read anything oh. because when i watched everyone's it, talking I about was the really teeth. bad <laughs> yeah i was just like what is this i think oh, everyone shares that confusion <laughs> and slight anger yeah um yeah yeah 
Maybe it'll be a new. Where were ta- where where's tails? Where was knuckles? You know. Maybe they're saving them, but if that's what Sonic looks like, I'm oh, scared. No. Oh no! I'm scared. Oh, no. Knuckles for is gonna be so buff. Like. Oh. Knuckles- yeah, but knuckles <laughs> are gonna be so buff. <laughs> it's gonna look like Sonic, but red, but also so muscular. So oh my goodness, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, we're gonna I'm gonna pass on that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right, uh, we're also going to talk about Avengers today, but we're going to save that for last so that you don't have to skip through spoilers if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're just going to talk about Can You Ever Forgive Me and then some uh, spoiler-heavy endgame talk afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so, Can You Ever Forgive Me came out last year, uh, written by Nicole Hoff Center and... Uh, I forget the name of her writing partner. Um, some guy. Directed by Marielle Heller, starring uh, Richard E. Grant and Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Based on a memoir by Lee Israel about her exploits forging uh, literary correspondence, yeah. I guess. Correspondent letters from uh, literary figures. Yeah. So let's got elements of a crime movie yeah um also it's a a biopic and a drama a period picture it takes place in 1991 yeah 90s Uh, are period pieces now well yeah yeah i mean i have more to say about that but you can tell some care went into it to make it um look period accurate and have a certain feel Mm -hmm. that goes along with that all right, let, let's just start. Let's go. Our first shot, we get uh, Lee Israel drinking. Yeah, drinking at a uh, at the job. Like yeah, she's sitting at her office. desk. Uh, I guess she's an editor or a copy proofer, mm-hmm. proofreader. Uh, yeah, she's she's like crossing stuff off. Yeah. yeah, and she's drinking and yelling, and she gets fired. Yeah, it's like this really dark, dark office. It, it looks like it's in the basement or something. And the only thing that's lighting it are people's uh, desk lamp. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think it sets the tone pretty well of how gloom and, and doom this movie is. Yeah, but also a good amount of comedy in it. Oh, yeah. A big laugh when she, after she's fired, she takes her glass that she was drinking out of, dumps the ice in her trash can, <laughs> then puts the glass back in her bag. And you hear, it's such a good sound cue, you hear the a clinking sound as if the glass were hitting the glass bottle that's in yeah. her bag. <laughs> like she, she, she's walking around with a bottle ready to drink at any moment in time. But, you know, she's uh, she's got her glass too, so yeah. she's civilized. Yeah, she's not drinking straight from the bottle or anything like that. Uh, she, I guess she goes from being fired, or maybe it's later. We see her at um, a party, like a yeah, her agent's party. Her agent's party, yeah. so filled with a lot of the literati. Yeah, the the upper the upper like literary authors. Yeah, and stuff. we yeah. we get um, man who I don't know if they said that that was him at the time, but then we figure out that it was Tom Clancy, mm-hmm. who's he's got like a huge crowd around him and he's talking about how he doesn't think writer's block is a real thing it's made up by lazy writers because i'm tom clancy and i do the work that's funny when i think of tom clancy i think of like rainbow six 
The video game? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think of like Rainbow Six and stuff, so. Well, yeah, it's, it's like he wrote so many novels yeah. that you can buy at airports and in the words of the character and later on where they're trash, <laughs> more trashing of Tom Clancy, what did she say? She says... Tom Clancy's right-wing macho American bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah. I wonder if Tom Clancy had any thoughts on this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, we also hear the line in the party, um, someone saying, his distaste of linear plot structure is macabre. <laughs> <laughs> macabre. Which I found funny. That's just the thing you would hear at that kind of party. It's just words. Um, she doesn't fit in in this party that's yeah. set early on. She's uh, yeah. People are very lively and social, mm-hmm. and she has been uh, shown to us to be very opposite of that. Yeah, very um, uh, because we take a stop at her home first, and we see that mm-hmm. she's like she's alone and she lives with her cat. Yeah, she's a cat woman. Yeah, she's a cat lady. Yeah, she's just one cat though. Just one cat yeah. until later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> about the cat. I think yeah. I've talked on this podcast before about the concept of save the cat in screenwriting, how that's a thing. Uh, writers use to establish that their heroes are heroic very early on in the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, what I found fascinating, I mean, usually it's not always, it's usually not someone physically saving a cat, but yeah. it's that kind of act. Yeah. Though sometimes uh, characters do save cats early on. Uh, but I found it interesting in this movie towards the beginning she tries to save her cat um by purchasing medicine mm-hmm. from the vet for yeah. her sick cat mm-hmm. but she doesn't have the money yeah. to buy the meds yeah. i thought it was interesting that she's making the attempt to save the cat like yeah. she wants to but she can't yeah and i think that kind of sets a pace for the rest of the movie with this character that she's um like she's this grumpy miserable probably depressed uh lonely, very lonely yeah. woman yeah, uh, the only who person wants in to her do life, better? Well, not person. The only thing in her life is this cat that she loves and loves her right. and doesn't talk back to her. And then enter Jack Hawk. Oh yeah, played by Richard E. Grant, who won the Best Supporting Actor for this role. He's great. He's phenomenal. Yeah, he there's steps, he steps in like like a ray of light in this movie. Their chemistry, uh, Richard E. Grant, Melissa McCarthy, is so good. Any scenes that they have together are mm-hmm. yeah. electric. Yeah. He just oozes this this coolness to him. He's like, got the character a, down so yeah, well. He has the character um, down. Kind of sleazy. I mean, yeah, um, young acting, but just. Like a sad old queen. Yeah, yeah like really. a sad old queen. Yeah. Um, or maybe not that sad. Well, not sad. Maybe a little delusional. Pretty delusional. Um, so yeah. But they uh they both enjoy drinking quite a bit. So and they both have this really dark, morose sense of humor. Yeah, which I like. Yeah, the in the first scene with them, she's recalling like the party where they met, mm-hmm. and she remembers that he's the one that peed in a coat closet thinking it was a bathroom right and he was getting ready to apologize yeah because she was saying it like like very seriously Mm -hmm. and then she just bust out laughing and then right away like you can tell so much tension has been relieved from him that he doesn't need to pretend to apologize for this thing that 
he evidently wasn't that sorry about and yeah. finds it hilarious yeah. now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, they definitely um they hit it off. Yeah. They, yeah, they hit it off and they pretty much hang out for the whole night until like it's time for her to go home. She walks him home cause, mm-hmm. or he walks her yeah, home. Yeah, he walks her home. Rather. But they they set up they do the setup for the prank. Mm. Right? So we get introduced to this book guy, this the book clerk reads yeah, yeah. clerk had a bookstore. He's very rude. He's just very nasty to her for no reason. Yeah, she's trying to sell the some books to him and he won't take all of them and she carried them all the way there and yeah. he's just trying to get rid of yeah, them. Yeah, she's just trying to get meds for her cat, man. Yeah, so they they run into him leaving mm-hmm. his apartment. With his tiny dog. Yeah. <laughs> so he um Jack runs into the lobby area and writes down I guess the name of one of his neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. For a prank later on cuz mm-hmm. cuz they're fun type of friends that do pranks together. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah so the and then their the night ends with um leaf walks up to her house and then we just see jack he lights a cigarette and then walks off into the night and we just yeah. see his back and he's mm-hmm. just walking away kind of into the smoke and he's clearly being set up as this mysterious figure that maybe there's more to him than he's letting on or less of him than yeah. he's letting on because he says he has a house and which, he uh I guess the important thing is her noticing him walk off in the wrong direction mm. because he said his house was up the street. Right. But then she watches him walk the other way and she's like, oh, this. I think that, yeah, that's where she realizes, like, oh, he doesn't have a home. Because it's probably like two, two in the two, three in the morning, probably. Mm-hmm. You can never tell in New York because, like, <laughs> it's always, always busy. The city. People are always up. I, I have heard that the city takes very few rests. Yeah. It almost like it never sleeps. Rare, it, the city that mm. rarely rests, I mm. think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Big Orange. The Big Orange. <laughs> uh, so then we get uh, some big plot developments because she starts foraging. Mm-hmm. She's working on a biography of Fanny Bryce, a vaudeville, obscure vaudeville uh actress yeah and her agent is like that's not gonna sell no one's gonna buy a book from you you either have to be nice or make a name for yourself right yeah she essentially says you can be a bitch once you get famous yeah you have to be polite and uh this is a woman and a character that you you can tell by the way melissa mccarthy's playing in just everything we've seen up to that point she's if She, she could be nicer she would be she, she right? asks her to be nice and she's just like oh cut me a break <laughs> like it's just like such like a pain for her to even consider that idea of changing a little it's yeah it's like yeah really funny uh so she's got some letters do we see how she gets the first letter no she just has it hanging on her wall. oh she just owns it but yeah, she, she adds or she tries to sell it Mm-hmm. She doesn't get that much money for it. She learns that if it was a little more exciting, mm-hmm. then they'd pay more. So she, she takes an author letter and adds a PS to it. Mm-hmm. And she, she forges. Uh, yeah. She does her first forging. And then I really liked... Um, she takes the letter back to the place. She's offered $350. Mm-hmm. And I've... Uh, and the woman she's selling to, who becomes a significant character later on, yeah. 
uh, says, how's 350 sound? And then we hear these jazz drums come in. Yeah. And then the music picks up. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah, really yeah. exciting. It's celebratory. Yeah, the mood picks and up. The, things are turning around. Yeah, and the score kind of takes us into mm-hmm. this montage of her uh, finally able to buy the medicine for her cat. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. She she's only able to save the cat through committing these crimes. Yeah. Uh, then she sits down to forge more, mm-hmm. and she she uh, tries to get the signature right, and she can't. And then the music kind of shifts. It's all like one s- song or suite, I guess. Yeah. But it gets there starts to be some like uh, uh, like anxiety and unease through the music that's mm-hmm. being communicated as she fails to forge and you think maybe she's like worried about what she's getting herself into but then once she successfully traces it over her tv mm-hmm. the music picks up again yeah so it seemed like the only thing was just that she was having trouble committing the crime not yeah. that she had conflict with uh committing the crime she just didn't want to do it poorly well there is that the scene right after this i mean maybe the music is a continuation but where she's like taking is showing her journey she's on the train right? yeah she's yeah. on the train and then she's like walking through the door and it's just like really like like paced out mm-hmm. because this is like her road to to doom pretty much this is like her thinking about it it it, it, it lingers on so maybe like you think like maybe she won't go through with it but she does like she, she goes through with it. She sells her first uh, forged paper, and then um, yeah, so she starts to get some money. She can yeah. get her stuff in order. She's not yeah, she can pay spending it too extravagantly until she runs into she gets together with Jack again, who encourages her to uh, spend it on herself to treat herself. Yeah, to and they to drinks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Is is mainly what they treat themselves with. Yeah. They're trouble together. And they just like as soon as they got but, together. But also she's she's so lonely, she has no one else and you get this feeling just that their friendship and camaraderie is just really um lifting her up. Yeah. Uh they like they get back to her place and it's filthy and he's uh offers to help her clean it. Oh, yeah. The smell. Oh, I could just imagine how bad it must have smelled in there. Right. He looks under the bed, and it's all cat shit. It's cat poop everywhere. Under the bed, under the couch. It's just, like, bad. Yeah, like, that cat lived a good life. Yeah, just doing what it wanted to do. (laughs) And she didn't smell a thing. That's that's how it is, I guess. She just got so used to her, the mess that she lived in, and the disorder. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it only takes other people to then enter that, uh, environment for her to realize how it's coming off. Yeah. How bad it's gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just them cleaning together and then her, like her house looks, her apartment looks really nice after it's cleaned. Yeah, it does. It looks really nice. Yeah. Um, and she's in a good mood and she's the, the forgeries are, uh, exciting for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so she gets a bunch of typewriters. Yeah, different typewriters for uh, different writers so that they look different. Yeah, it was a cool, I liked the little, like, 
of different ways she went about committing yeah. the crimes. Yeah, she would like heat the paper up. Right, she put paper in the oven yeah, after to, she wrote them. Yeah, to age him a little, I mm-hmm. suppose. And I guess she was just so good at mimicking the writing style and she just knew the the personal lives of the writers so well since she was a biographer that if she got the signature right and the ink right and the typewriter right and like the, the heat however if that affected it mm-hmm. like the dating i guess of the paper that the the content wouldn't be questioned yeah the only reason it was questioned later is because uh one of the buyers of one of the pages was a personal friend of the author yeah and knew that the author wouldn't be so forthcoming about his sexuality mm-hmm. and um Speaking of uh, sexuality, I didn't pick up, and this is might sound like weird and just like not observant of me, but I didn't necessarily think that she was a lesbian, like her character was a lesbian, mm-hmm. until um, her and Jake, Jack, Jack, until her and Jack were having a conversation about past relationship, and yeah. she was talking about how you know her her past her. Her ex wanted to get, like, close and do, like, girlfriend mm-hmm. stuff, and she wasn't about it. And then I was like, oh, so the bookstore lady was hitting on her. I just thought right. the, she was a fan. I just thought she was just being friendly. Well, she like, was a fan. Yeah, she was a fan, but she was also hitting on her mm-hmm. as well. And then I was just like, oh, so this can be a thing. Yeah, I didn't pick up on it until that line either, and I think, like, there weren't any hints at all. She just yeah. seemed to... um not be a sexual person yeah, yeah. um i mean she was a just little closed off yeah she was a little butch but it it didn't really read that way necessarily because because of the state her life was in mm-hmm. that it just seemed like she just wasn't trying yeah anything so, so then and i think that kind of deepens the bond between her and jack because jack is this gay man and she's this queer woman and mm-hmm. uh they um they don't have partners currently mm-hmm. and they just spend their time together yeah and they're the best of friends yeah thick as thieves old gay couple <laughs> um so yeah she goes on a date with Anne mm-hmm. one of the bookstore owners that she's been selling mm-hmm. these forged documents to and that is a rough date oh it is awkward <laughs> Because they're clearly both into each other, but uh, Lee just has this wall up, and she doesn't she know has how to open it up. up. And she's a heavy drinker, and she points that out because she's uncomfortable. Yeah, she's just not. You're watching this, and I, well, I'm watching it, and I'm and I'm just like, she's not ready for no relationship. Like she can't handle a relationship right now, mm-hmm. the way her life is. Like this is like doomed from the start. Right. It was. Yeah. It was very sad. Yeah. And uh, pretty uncomfortable. And you think the date's just going so poorly, like, Anne's just going to leave. Cause she's like, who is this person? But we see them walking out of the restaurant, which the <laughs> they had the, um, the sign that said uh, traditional Italian restaurant <laughs> is the name of the restaurant, I guess. Oh. Uh, probably not, but <laughs> I just noticed that. Um, so they're walking out, and Anne's, like, pretty drunk because yeah. i guess she'd been trying to keep tipsy. up with lee yeah who seems very sober yeah, says like, it's gonna it takes a lot more to get me drunk and she's mm-hmm. like oh my goodness <laughs> and that's when uh 
Yeah, Anne's apologizing for being so uh, tipsy, and mm. she quotes the forged uh, Dorothy Parker letter that Lee wrote. Yeah. Can you ever forgive me? Which is the title of the movie. Yep, they say it in the movie. And Lee really freezes up. Because mm-hmm. Anne says, like, what is that thing Dorothy Parker said? Can yeah. you ever forgive me? And it's her words, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? But Lee really freezes up and then just says bye and walks yeah. away. She gives her her, her uh, little short story to read. Yeah. Yeah, she but... gives her her sto- short story to read and then, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, Anne we... does try really hard, though. She does keep trying. Yeah. Every time she's shut down, she does try. Yeah, uh... Yeah. Leads just isn't open to or able to accept yeah, the love. She's not able to. She's, we find out that she's uh, in the aforementioned discussion about past lovers, she's still pretty broken up about her ex. Yeah. Uh, she, among the prank calls, I think the first one is her, she's just calling her ex's phone, seeing who's going to pick up if it's yeah. a new partner. Yeah, the new partner is so disgusted when she hears mm-hmm. that it's the Lee. She's just like, Lee. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've got Jack that uh, appears at her apartment with uh, a black eye. He got in a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee takes care of him, tells him he kind of says, hey, I know if you don't have a house, mm-hmm. crash, on, crash on my couch. Yeah. And now we got them... Uh, Living together. Living together. Yeah. All the all the while, she's got this mounting guilt and paranoia. Mm-hmm. So she lets Jack in on what's been happening. Yeah. So now, yeah, he, now he's part of the team. Right now, he's selling. <laughs> he's he. Well, well actually, first, first she FBI. just tells him about it. Yeah. And then they go to a convention mm-hmm. to to scout out how this whole thing works. They right. talk to one woman who says, "I've got this." I promise it's official and authentic. Watch out for some of these other people. Of The other vendors might mm-hmm. be more shady and say something's real and it's not. Right. So, so then Lee says, just so we know, can you point out who those people are? Because obviously they're just going to go and sell yeah. them to it. And that's exactly what they did. Once, they, uh, once the lady pointed them out, mm-hmm. that's who she started selling to. Yeah, a man portrayed by Ben Falcone, who is... Married in, in real life to Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so then the FBI starts to catch wind of this. Yeah. So she needs Lee to sell the documents for her since no one... Yeah, no one will buy from her. Buy. She's been put on a list. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she now gets Jack to sell the paper. And he's really good at it. Because he is really just whimsical. And yeah, but the like, first time he does it, he comes back, and the money's not adding up. And right. we find out that he took a little bit off the top, even though he was getting a cut anyway. Yeah, he took he took a little extra, and that really like pissed her off. Well, yeah, that's uh, if you're gonna be in bed together with this criminal enterprise, you uh, need. Is there no honor among thieves? <laughs> that's what I ask. All right. Um. <laughs> It's really strong, sorry. That was the name of my band in high school. Honor Among Thieves. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway. Oh, I love this. After uh, Lee, like, shouts at 
Jack for stealing a cut. She says, if you ever steal from me again, I'll fucking kill you. And then we get this music cue in with these guitars screeching, and it's um, the Pixies, uh, There Goes My Gun, which is a, another, music is another way that they establish, period. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, like 89. Uh, but then the, the, the song plays over a montage of the faxes coming into each bookstore from the FBI with Lee's picture. Yep. And I love how the sound of the fax, fax machine blends in so well with like the punk music mm-hmm. of the Pixies. Nice. I'm glad you noticed that. I didn't really, really peep that. I was trying. Sound. So this, we were both just watching this movie for the yeah. first time, and I was a little worried about talking about it immediately after watching it. So yeah. I was really trying to take <laughs> some notes. All right. And so Anne sees it. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. Anne sees the paper. Um, but, but that's not the, you know, that's the least of her problems right now. Mm-hmm. So right now, no one will buy from her, and because they're they're hot on her and forged papers, Jack can't sell anymore. Right. So Jack comes up with this idea to actually steal real literary um, papers, yeah, letters, and to replace them with fakes. So right. she'll have the original, and they'll have the fake, and then mm-hmm. she'll sell those for money. Yeah crazy idea. pretty sneaky yeah and the scene where she's at i think it's like a yale library mm. and she's like look he's looking over at the librarian and the guard and tries to slip the paper out from her bag and then mm-hmm. take the other one and put it in her shoe mm-hmm. it's pretty tense yeah and i don't know i really liked the crime elements of this movie because it was mm, it was like all pretty low-key mm-hmm. and not like the the crime, I guess, seemed uh, secondary to the character, and most crime movies is kind of focuses on the excitement and, of the crime, of the crime and the heist, and yeah. the characters are just there to pull it off. Right. Um. But yeah, this is more about how how does she feel? Is she crossing a line while she does this? Yeah. She really respects uh this world. Yeah. Uh, Jack doesn't really know much about it. He yeah. doesn't have the same familiarity or fondness for it. But yeah. He pushes her to go this extra step. Yeah, he's just in it for for the fun, for the ride, for the excitement, and, yeah. and the money. I'm yeah, sure. like what else is he doing? Well, he uh, is cat sitting. Yeah, an apartment sitting for mm-hmm. Lee. Before Lee leaves, she gives the instructions: no smoking, stay out of my bed. And then she tells him how to feed the cat, mm-hmm. give it the medicine that it needs. Mm-hmm. Immediately after she leaves, Jack jumps into her bed, lights a cigarette. Yeah. And the scene cuts. And I, and you just are left thinking, oh, no, he's not going to feed the cat. Yeah. And he's going to break all the rules. But he actually does feed the cat. He, we see that he brings a lover over and mm-hmm. they have a night. Yeah, they, they drink a, a lot. They do some cocaine. Mm-hmm. But he wakes up, gets out of bed early to feed the cat. Mm-hmm. Um, Puts the medicine in there and everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. He even mashes it down yep. like uh, Lee instructed him yeah. to. I'm glad they showed that. Him yeah. doing it because... He's making the effort. Yeah, he makes the effort to actually do do it. So when the cat actually does die... Yeah, Lee comes back and the cat's dead and the apartment's a mess again. Yeah, you kind of... you 
get the sense like, well, he actually did feed the cat. The mm-hmm. cat was also really old, so it's it, it's not re- yeah. yes, old and sick. So it's not really his fault. The cat was gonna go soon anyway. No, yeah, probably yeah. If we hadn't, but if we hadn't seen the scene of him getting up in the morning to feed the cat, based on his, his actions yeah. and also just what the apartment looked like afterwards. I mean, he had someone in her bed mm-hmm. when she got home. Uh, you would assume that he didn't feed the cat. Yeah. And that's why the cat died. Which is what she assumes. Yeah. And it, uh, yeah. Puts a... Uh, a damper. A dent, yeah. Yeah, on their relationship. And it changes it from them being friends to just being uh, not even business partners. He pretty much just becomes... Her fence. Yeah. Right. Pretty much, yeah. It's like the crime thing. The people that sell the stolen gold goods. Yeah. Forged goods. Yeah. Well, he's stolen now. Um, she becomes really mean. Yeah. She, she. I mean, she flips out on him. Yeah. And says, "I don't even know if we ever were friends." Yeah. Which you can tell really hurts him. Yeah, it really hurts him into snitching on her. I mean, they're no both problem. very lonely. He had said that all of his friends are dead, mm-hmm. which is a sad uh, truth for this character. And yeah. she says, "You're not the only person with no friends." Yeah. They though we don't her friends probably didn't die she probably just did not have many friends. They they showcase his sickness, but they mm-hmm. also downplay it. They, they do. don't explicitly say what it is, but you know what it mm-hmm. is. Um, and I think they do a pretty good job of, at that. You know, especially by the when you see him at the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they in case anyone was unclear by the very end where you get the text on the screen telling you what happened to all the characters Mm -hmm. that that clears it actually it's still didn't say that he died of AIDS it just says that he died so receiving support by the gay men's uh yeah community I wonder if there was a reason why I didn't say HIV or AIDS in the movie or even in like the description in the end I wonder why Maybe it's something I don't know. Jack explicitly said to her not to like put that. Actually, in I looked movie. up in the trivia in the two minutes in between watching the movie and getting on the podcast. <laughs> that scene where they get together later on when she talks about she's going to write the memoir, mm-hmm. that never happened. They didn't encounter each other after uh, being caught, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She says, we're not friends anymore. You got to keep just selling for me. She's mm-hmm. waiting at the bar for him to come back to sell these documents. He makes a sale, mm-hmm. but then the FBI is there downstairs waiting for him. Yeah. And so he makes another sale. He sells Lee out. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, and I don't blame him because, right. I mean, had she been a friend, maybe he would have thought about it. But yeah. because she was so mean yeah, to him. She had just, just like, like yelled at him. And yeah, he was just like, well, I'm not putting my, my, my neck on the line for her. We're right. not even friends in her book. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, instead of him coming back to the bar, the FBI come back to the bar to serve her papers. Yes. Yeah. And we get, then she's talking to her lawyer, mm-hmm. played by an actor whose name I should learn because yeah. he's, I mean. Yeah, he pops up a Oh, lot. actually, I know. It's Mark Evan Jackson, I think. Okay. Or some combination of those. I think his name is Mark. Mark. Anyway, he plays Kevin on The Good Place and, uh. Captain Holtz, what's his name on Brooklyn Nine Nine? I don't 
Captain Holt's husband. Yeah. He's, he's so, so dry. He usually plays lawyers or doctors or uh, professors. Yeah. I got it right? Yeah, you got it right. Yes, right. I do know his Martin name. Jackson. He's one of those one of those guys. Yeah. Um, and he's, like, telling her, you're going to have to really clean up your act, start going to AA, show that you're working on yourself, do some volunteer work. Oh, yeah, she's like, volunteer work. He's like, wait, kids. She's like, oh, my God. Like, her reaction to, like, yeah. kids... It's so funny. Like, no, please, not kids. <laughs> Anything but kids. I mean, and honestly, yeah, don't put her near kids. Yeah, you think she exactly. would have a positive influence exactly. on them? No. She actually does community service at the animal shelter or animal hospital. Yeah, helping yeah. sick cats, mm-hmm. we learn. Uh, and But all she wants to know, she asks her lawyer, do you think the people I sold to know that know now that I sold them forged documents? Because she's just curious about Anne. Yeah. He says yes, but... Why are you even worried about that right now? Yeah. But she's crushed. She hates that Anne knows. Also, I wish they would have built that relationship just a little bit more and just maybe had, like, one more scene with them. Because by that point, Anne hasn't been on the screen um, in a long time. Yeah. And so I've kind of, like forgotten about the relationship well it made sense that after that awkward date and she accepts the she takes Anne's short story mm-hmm. puts it like in in her drawer doesn't yeah. open it they don't talk again but she probably would have called Anne if she had more confidence in herself or her ability to be in a relationship it was clear that they uh, were interested in each other and before that we had uh, like scenes where she was like sitting down with Anne to discuss the letters mm-hmm. that she had forged, but Anne didn't know that, and they were talking about how crazy these writers are yeah. and their person. So we get a good amount, mm-hmm. and that's, and this is after we meet um, Lee's ex, because when the cat dies, she mm-hmm. gets her ex to meet her yeah. um, by the river, and that I feel like that's a pretty revealing scene because we find out. I mean, she says, are you going to replace the cat? And Lee says, no, I, I don't think I could. It wouldn't feel right. Right. And her, her ex says, well, maybe with time. And then we kind of, you can make the connection that she still is attached to her ex-girlfriend. And that's why she is unable to enter another relationship. Yeah. Um, which is why it's really uplifting at the end when she has a kitten. Yeah. She was able to replace yeah, the cat. Yeah, it tickled you a little. Yeah, and it was better than if it was like her then on a date with Anne again, because that wouldn't have felt genuine yeah. or real. Yeah. You know, when you do biopics, obviously uh, there's going to be scenes that didn't actually happen, ways that you construct the stuff to give information or character details. Uh, you have to fabricate some stuff, but... Mm-hmm. I think that would have been a step too far. I think showing the kitten as the signal of her, uh, of her growth or openness to grow. Yeah, I mean, the kitten definitely represents that, and so does the computer. Well, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. I mean, yeah. Not but really. I don't have that much left in my notes. There, I mean, She's there's sentenced. that There's that Oscar-winning judgment speech, right? Well, she didn't, she didn't win. 
Well, I mean, the Oscar nominated. I mean, this is probably what they sent in. Probably is that uh, that speech. Mm. Um, yeah, it's like any dramatic speech with a slow zoom in and right. like like no no cut, just like right. just acting. Yeah, just acting, acting the scene out, all all in her face. And I wish I could emotion. say I was surprised by her performance, but I'm mm. I'm not. I you know I know that Melissa McCarthy had this in her. I mean, she's. I guess we're used to her doing these big characters that are mm-hmm. farting all over the place and cursing at everyone. And she still does a lot of cursing at people. Mm-hmm. It's she a little more a subdued, a little more human, um, a lot sadder, more dramatic than comedic, certainly. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, she's she's so good. Yeah. <laughs> and so good in this. Yeah. Usually, you know, I'm never surprised when a comedian or someone that does funny movies can mm-hmm. deliver, you know, a dramatic monologue or, like, a dramatic performance. Mm-hmm. They usually are, like, really, like, good at it. Like the I best feel like comedi- comedic actors make better dramatic actors than dramatic actors do comed- comedy. Totally. But, yeah. but when you get, like, Ryan Gosling doing comedy and really selling it and being so funny, that's the best. <laughs> That's when I'm surprised. Gosling is funny. And what? Uh, the Nice Guys. I didn't see um, that. Lo- not Love Actually. What's it called? <laughs> the one with Emma Stone and uh, That's love. Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah, Crazy Stupid Love. Uh, we got to watch The Nice Guys. Yeah? Yeah, that's a good one. I don't know if we have to podcast about it, but, but we got to watch it. Okay. We'll throw it on the list. Um. So yeah, we see that she's writing a memoir now. Yeah. About this. the whole thing. Yeah, the memoir this. that the movie's ultimately based off of. Yeah. Just cute, I guess. Yeah. The beginning of the end of the beginning. <laughs> and instead of a typewriter or seven different typewriters, she's got a computer. Mm-hmm. She finally entered the nineties like yeah. everyone else. Uh-huh. <laughs> um yeah, so new computer. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't ha- end with the good, warm feeling that she's writing about herself finally mm-hmm. and she has a kitten and she's moving on. No, we get instead she is walking down past a bookstore and she sees one of her forged letters in the window mm-hmm. even after she's been convicted. Yep. It's still passing. She she steps inside and she says, "How much is this selling for?" And it's almost two thousand dollars. Right. She didn't sell it from nowhere she near says, that. And it's authentic. It says, "Yes, there's a letter of authenticity." She says, "Does that come with a letter of authenticity?" <laughs> because then she forges or she uses her forging techniques to write a letter to him as Dorothy Parker from the grave, mm-hmm. saying, "This is me from the grave." Yeah. <laughs> and he receives that. He goes to take the letter off the window, but then he keeps ends up yeah. keeping it there it, because yeah. they're shady. Yeah, it's a shady world. Yeah. Uh, and a little bit before that, I mean, because that mm-hmm. is the end of the movie. Right. But I don't want to end this podcast without talking about the scene between uh, between the our, our two characters. Their their final scene. Yeah, Jack their final scene together. Yeah, where Lee right. and and Jack come together at the bar, right. and we see. Jack uh, is uh, uh, dying. Yeah. Yeah. He's well, dying. like I said, 
according to the trivia, that's not something that actually happened, but within the movie, it's good closure yeah, it's between good closure. those characters. Yeah. I mean, he sold her out, mm-hmm. but she was also pretty nasty to him. I also think, yeah, that it's pretty, nece- I don't know, kind of necessary for, to the movie. Yeah, it would feel weird if he disappeared. Yeah, if that was it. Yeah. Um, And they, you know, have this very, like, civil conversation where they, they're angry at each other, but also not angry at each other. No, yeah, they kind of go back to how they were yeah. before their she, banter. He, he's like has a scarf on like a chemo patient mm-hmm. and he's has has a cane now and he goes to get up and then she says I, well, she just starts laughing yeah she just starts laughing says, what and she's like i really thought about tripping you just yeah. then and he's just like oh, you're a horrid cunt lee and yeah. she says you too and that's like mm-hmm. that's it for them he walks yeah, out that's you know? great yeah like that dark sense of humor that they both find funny and the movie ends with yeah. a split screen end credits. Mm-hmm. They appear. I, li- I like the stylization. It's like as if it's on paper being typewritten. Mm-hmm. But it's a split screen, so we get the different kinds of typewriter fonts mm-hmm. on, on both screens. And the one screen is the credits. The other screen is the text telling us where the characters are um, and how everything ended up. Mm-hmm. We find out that her book was received very well by the New York Times. Mm-hmm. We find out about Jack passing. Yeah, ninety four. Find out um, was was that tidbit when Lee later in life was summoned for jury duty. Oh, she yeah. wrote them a letter saying, "I'm a convicted felon, cannot serve." Who says crime doesn't pay? Yeah, <laughs> pretty funny. And then. Uh... Lee, the, yeah, we find out that Lee dies 20 yeah. years after Jack in yep. 2014. On December 24th, because yeah, when the screen when it appeared on screen, because I'm a very funny person, I said, she would die on Christmas she, Eve. Yeah, she would die. Yeah, I feel like that makes sense for her. Just for to make sure the listeners movie. know yeah. how funny I am, too. <laughs> it was like that, so quick. So quick. I'm so fast. Do you know that Julianne Moore was originally... All set to play Lee Israel. Um, I feel like I heard that she before. was fired over creative differences. Yeah, I heard that. That's yep. all that IMDb says. That. But I heard, and they were talking about this around Oscar season. I think I heard that she, the creative differences were that Julianne Moore wanted to wear a fat suit. Oh, got it. And like really ham it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, they picked Julianne Moore. I'm not because of her size though. So mm-hmm. I mean I'm I'm sure Julianne Moore would have been just fine. She'd have been great in, in this role, but uh Melissa McCarthy really nailed it. it you know with Julianne really Moore it would have been her. her doing a lot to be this character. With mm-hmm. Melissa McCarthy it's her we see her kinda it seems like she's doing less than we normally see her. Mm-hmm. So it's her being toned down rather than yeah. Julianne Moore would have been all the way up. And I think that's more fitting for the just what the movie was. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the whole vibe. It was uh, like with the jazzy score and the yeah. golden. Like it was so yellow. Yeah. Plus we would have missed out on the chemistry between Melissa and Richard. Right. You know? Well, Julianne Moore is a great actress. Yeah. But I don't know how. I mean, yeah. But like. It's hard to imagine. Yeah. Like what it, 
what I got, I like what I got. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, is this a movie or a film? Hmm. I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, I feel like this film is a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you? I wrote, maybe it's a highbrow movie about halfway through it. Because I was trying to decide. Yeah. Because it is, it is pretty highbrow. Yeah. I was thinking, I don't know if it's a film. But by the end of it, I came around and I'm going to categorize it as a film just mm-hmm. for its, just the portrayal of just the lone. I think it's just about loneliness mm-hmm. and just how when you're super lonely, it's hard to bring people in and then they disappoint you or one person will disappoint you. Mm-hmm. So then you shun everyone else off. And it's, uh, I don't know for yeah. me, I feel like it's maybe lacking a little bit. Um, and the way that it was shot, um, the way that it was filmed for it, it to be a film feels, mm-hmm. it feels more like, like a movie, like it was shot like a movie. Like it's just a really sad, melodramatic movie, mm-hmm. you know, with great performances in it. But I mean, to me, it's still a movie. It yeah it it didn't have like that visual yeah. uh, finesse to l- it like hyper stylized kind of mm-hmm. goes beyond what the characters are doing to show you something yeah uh, it's pretty straightforward it's more showing you what the characters are doing mm-hmm. uh, but the I don't know if that absence makes it less of a unable film. to be a film all right disqualifies it as a film i'm not sure okay it's uh, I, I hate this whole thing <laughs> this, <laughs> this whole conceit of this podcast because <laughs> what's the i don't know um it might be a highbrow movie but i think i'm gonna say yeah. it's a film all right so it's a movie and it's a film yeah what a surprise <laughs> and now for a movie that I don't think anyone is unsure of it being a movie or maybe it's just a product but <laughs> Avengers that's right listeners if you don't want to hear any spoilers from this point on stop the podcast okay oh, yeah. <laughs> but but still follow us on Twitter at movie film pod yes 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 so end game end game Avengers for what 13 years in the making yeah yeah let's i feel like we could talk about this for another 50 minutes yeah let's try to not do that okay i think we should we could do like small initial thoughts and stuff like that yeah what's your initial thought i really like this movie Mm. i was so hype and like sitting in my seat watching everything unfold the movie's three hours it didn't it didn't drag they did time travel in an interesting way i feel like in a like in a different way um everything was right on time uh but by the time by the time that i wanted everyone to come back and fight and show up they did it (laughs) they did it in such a glorious way with um they really like just like stopped everything sound and then dr um strange portal yeah. open and then black panther yeah he's and the first one out. Yeah. yeah and i like let out this big scream oh, i was like i felt like a kid again like it was, it was so much fun it was like really fun and then like 
Avengers assembled. Like, oh man, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it it was just like such build up and great payoff. Lots of payoff. In Lots of payoff. Yeah. Also, a lot of setting up for the future, but I don't really care about that stuff mm. yeah I let's mean, let's focus on this on the now. yeah so yeah. we get conclusions to tony stark's uh saga yeah and uh chris evans is what's his name steve rogers as yeah. captain america captain america i think i think it can be safe to say that this was the end game for both <laughs> for the, their st- their characters yeah. i mean there were rumors going in that they would both probably die just based on their contracts and their public statements about not wanting to have to play these characters forever Mm -hmm. what a fitting send-off for both those characters yes yeah like really perfect we get tony martyring himself for the sake of the universe yeah with the last line i'm iron man yeah um, he just he destroys Which is like himself. The last line of the first movie, right? Yeah, yeah, it ties together. Yeah. Um. And he has a daughter, and he yeah. manages to save to. Uh, yeah, the recover. He manages to recover the past while maintaining the future that he's built for himself. Because over those twelve movies or however many years, he's really transformed a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, certainly a lot in the first movie when he was just arms dealer tony stark turned iron man but even then uh from when he announced himself as iron man to now mm-hmm. just so much more mature yeah more grounded and grounded and uh i loved the stuff with his father when they go back in time yeah. he's able to find some closure yeah he's starts he's off touching. as a as a i guess a, a selfish character mm-hmm. but I mean, at the end, they break that, and he, you know, he sacrifices himself yeah. for everyone. So, and it, and it didn't. It felt very earned. Yeah, it was very, very earned. And just when he snaps his fingers, when he, when he has the yeah. gauntlet on, he snaps his finger, and everything starts fading away. Mm-hmm. And then Thanos just sits down, just takes a seat. He, he he they know it was very common this movie yeah i just love well, like, it was past thanos you gotta remember yeah because they one thing i like about this movie a lot is thor just chops off thanos oh, yeah. head at in the, the beginning, beginning of yeah. the movie thanos is thanos dies and it's like what are you doing like, i went for the head this time yeah i was just like okay well what's next what's it was what, exciting it was, yeah, it was a what, good what surprise now yeah yeah another good surprise i really like uh clint what's his name hawkeye now mm-hmm you like you very, like that very wise that the movie opened with him and his family and then yeah. the family disappears in the snap yeah but then he becomes this guy that uh he becomes this vigilante assassin assassin yeah. murdering gang members that survived the snap because he doesn't feel that they deserve they deserve the life that was taken from yeah. his loved ones and mm-hmm. others yeah and we just get to see the way that the five years of half the world being gone half the universe being gone yeah. just change these characters we get black widow as like a shut-in uh kind of operating her uh her, yeah her team her team just yeah. in her apartment and she, well, she the, dies the in this movie um can yeah. we talk about that scene with hawkeye and scarlet not 
Scarlet, uh, Black Widow. So yeah, they get kind of they, fighting for who gets to kill themselves. They go for the Soul Stone. Yes. And as soon as you know this, you know that one of them is gonna die because that's how you get the stone. Um, no one tells them this because they are in shock. Well, mm-hmm. not in shock, but they're just like, oh, okay. Well yeah. then, who's gonna do it? Well, they're and, both so prepared. To yeah, them. they're prepared to. They have this conversation where you're like, "Well, who's gonna do it? Who's yeah. gonna do it first? I'm thinking like maybe one of them is just gonna like run for the ledge. Well, they both do. Yeah, they they both do. Like uh, Black Widow starts right. No, uh, Hawkeye starts, and then Black Widow like knocks him down, mm-hmm. and then she goes for it, and then he like blows up his arrow. It's and an amazing yeah, sequence. It's like a uh, yeah. Uh, a to race the point to where they're death. both hanging off the ledge. Yeah, and he's holding on to her. Yeah, and she's not holding on to him right. at all. She wants to. Yeah, go. she's just like, as soon as you let me go, I'm gonna fall. Mm-hmm. And so she just slips and she falls yeah. and she dies, and then he gets the soul stone. You know. It, yeah, two characters I yeah. had never cared about in this franchise are suddenly I'm super invested in. Yeah, and that's, that quickly, that quickly. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Um. Hulk yeah, in this movie. Yeah, that was amazing. How yeah, Professor that? Hawk. <laughs> Professor Hawk. Um, yeah. Uh, he's got... Becoming the middleman between Yeah, he's, ha- he's kind of halfway between Bruce, Brand- Bruce Banner and the Hulk. Yeah. In Infinity War, he was unable to access the Hulk throughout yeah, the whole movie. Yeah, he got the crab knocked out of him. Yeah. And the Hulk was like, no, I'm not coming out. Yeah, but now, five years later, he's this celebrity yeah. <laughs> superhero. Uh, I love how Mark Ruffalo plays this character. I feel like he's played so many different versions of the Hulk throughout this cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. And this one, he's, he's just never been more confident and just at ease. Yeah. And that's kind of nice. Yeah, I actually that. like what they did because it had the Hulk on the screen the whole time. Yeah. But it also let Mark act as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was like he got the Thanos treatment, whatever blue dots or whatever it was all yeah. over Josh Brolin's face was all over Mark Ruffalo's yeah, face as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. Avengers Endgame. Yeah, it, they, I mean, they I, did that. I wonder how Endgame is gonna affect the movies afterwards, just because of that five-year gap. That happened, especially well, with this new Spider-Man coming out. I don't know how, with the how time travel, they opened up. Uh, they like they had the visual with Tilda Swinton. So many people in this movie, just yeah. Tilda Swinton popping. Yeah, up. everyone popped up. <laughs> um, Natalie Portman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tilda Swinton explains the the way that the time travel works in this movie that you like take detours almost off of the timeline and new timelines emerge. Yeah. So they left that open and I, I assume they'll be exploring that uh, alt, some alternate universes now. Yeah. Um, that they created. Yeah. And because they, they did mess up and, and one of them at least with Loki. Yeah. And I Loki think the, the cinematic universe is going to be a lot different because yeah. it's going to be, tv also or streaming content yeah they're doing these like limited run shows i mean we found out that uh falcon is the new captain america mm-hmm. we we already knew that they were going to make a falcon and winter soldier show yeah i mean now we know that's 
probably a Captain America show with yeah. the new Cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing a Loki show. They're doing a Hawkeye show. They're mm-hmm. doing a Scarlet Witch and Vision show. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Disney Plus <laughs> um, is about to be worth it. It's only $7, which yeah. is... Yeah, by the time November no rolls to. around and they have like a lot of stuff ready. Yeah, they're they're this is gonna like, they're trying to kill Netflix. They're gonna sell like hotcakes, man. Mm-hmm. Disney has everything. I mean, they're gonna have all of the Simpsons on there, like every single episode. Yeah, of the Simpsons Disney is um, pretty Ooh. much like Thanos, who tried to collect all these stones. Yeah, Mickey got to... the glove on right now with the rings Ooh. on him. Man, he is unstoppable. Ooh. He's about to snap his fingers in November. <laughs> it's over. All these streaming networks are about to turn to dust. This is about to be crazy. Oh, man. Maybe Netflix will survive. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, but Crackle, goodbye. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all that other stuff. <laughs> Man, just let Disney get anime on there. It's it's really a wrap. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm satisfied with that end yeah. game chat. Yeah. Next week we're talking about burning. Yes, we are. Which is on Netflix. It's on Netflix now, so watch it. Yeah, it's go watch it. Korean thriller, psychological thriller. Yeah. I don't know that much about this movie, but other than the fact that I've wanted to see it since I heard about it and also have wanted to avoid any information about it because it seems like one of those movies. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Stephen Young, so mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking forward to anything he has been up to post Walking Dead. And I only became aware of him post Walking Dead, yeah. but I like him yeah. as well. So, yeah, burning <laughs> up next. Yeah. Wait. Also, I saw on on Letterbox you gave Avengers three stars. What was that? What three stars? Is that that's so mediocre? Really? Yeah. That's a passing grade. Like just a passing grade. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you it liked it the, more than that. It got the job done. It okay. did it. They did it. Okay. I don't. Uh, I, I didn't really gain anything from it other than like closure with those characters that right. I've seen for years. Yeah. Um I'm I'm comfortable with that. Also, I'm not I'm being very uh modest. Modest in my ratings. I'm not yeah. trying to give everything five stars. Oh, I think I, I only gave man, two check movies mine, five stars. I got so, so many far. five stars on there. No, yeah, the movies that I think are perfect mm-hmm. are Maybe not even perfect. Movies I think are really, really great and I love a lot. Most of them are four and a half. Okay. And then all the really, really good movies are four. So what's a five-star movie for you? Do you I, have one? Yet? I gave Inside Lewin Davis five stars. Okay. And episode one of this podcast, Call Me By Your Name, I think you gave it like two stars. <laughs> but it's got five of my stars. Wait, did I and give my two heart. stars? I probably did give that movie two stars. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, check out Burning. And thanks for listening to Movie. Movie. Film. Film.